Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today on the Everything 80s podcast, did the Nintendo Rob save the video game industry? Hey there, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out today. And we're looking at the classic Nintendo accessory, the robotic operating buddy, or Rob, which was the robotic assistance for the NES that you could play games with you. The whole idea with this episode is that the toy, it, it, that's the best way to look at it. It was a toy and it was you know, seen as slow and challenging to use, and it wouldn't last long, but was crucial in how Nintendo would market their new video game system. So we'll get all into that. Before we start, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. Wherever you find your podcasts, I should be there. Okay, let's get right into this. So it seems weird to think, but there was a time when video games were not in demand at all. Not only that, manufacturers wanted nothing to do with them. It's not that they went away, but the great video game crash in 1983 shook the industry to its knees and bankrupted the massive Atari company. This story needs a bit of a history lesson as Atari obviously dominated through the 70s and into the early 80s. The problem was Atari didn't have a control on the games they were releasing, so especially for the Atari 2600 video game system, whereas Nintendo would have their seal of quality, which ensured that anything released for the NES had to meet their standards. When it came to Atari, anyone could put out a game. This led to a lot of crap games that flooded the market. Consumer confidence was starting to drop in Atari and video games in general, and the entire industry started to decline. Though it's not the direct cause of the video, video game crash, the E.T. Atari video game set in motion events that would lead to it uh, falling apart and also bringing Atari to its knees. Basically, by 1984-1985, Atari had been broken up and sold off. Video games were seen as the kiss of death, and companies like Mattel and Hasbro lost millions in investments in video game technology. Many companies would go back to more traditional toys that were seen as not a risk, like dolls and teddy bears and toy cars, and that's why we get things like, you know, the pound puppies or uh, micro machines and, you know, just simple technology and simple toys. So now the Nintendo Entertainment System comes to the rescue. So the quick rundown on the NES is it starts out as the Famicom in Japan, and they wanted to release it in the States, but they had great trepidation in doing so. They were going to partner with Atari for the release, but an incident at the 1985 Consumer Electronics Show put the kibosh on the whole deal. There were a few big things they banked on to help ensure the NES was a hit. The first was the creation of a new character called Mario, and that would never have happened if it wasn't for the character of Popeye, which is a whole other blog and podcast I did. The other was the creation of kind of an old technology called the light gun, which you would know as the Nintendo Zapper, along with the classic game Duck Hunt. 
The next big thing had to do with word usage. And this, along with the Nintendo Rob, is what may ultimately be responsible for the success of Nintendo and the rejuvenation of the video game industry. So whatever Atari had stood for, Nintendo wanted to be the opposite, and this included the verbiage associated with Nintendo. To distance themselves from computer video games, Nintendo would adopt a new language when it came to their product. Atari had a video game console, Nintendo had the control deck. Atari had video game cartridges, Nintendo had game packs. Atari was a video game system. Nintendo was an entertainment system. Atari used old-style arcade joysticks. Nintendo used modern control pads. Atari had elaborate artwork on the cartridges that looked nothing like the game. Nintendo would use 8-bit graphic images on the game to perfectly resemble the actual game. Atari had a wood cabinet design that looked like your old TV. Nintendo had a futuristic space gray, sleek, and modern design to it. One other big thing that was kind of a last second change was how you would use the actual game pack on the NES. Atari used the upright insertion slot for the cartridges, and this was similar to what the Famicom used. To further distance itself from looking like a video game system, Nintendo developed a whole new design. The game packs would be inserted into the front the same way you would put a VHS tape into the newly popular VCR. This would give the Nintendo Entertainment System a a familiarity and further distance itself from Atari. It was almost like the Nintendo was an appliance more than a video game system, and this seems to be the direction Nintendo wanted to go. Above all, they wanted to push the idea that the NES was a toy and not specifically a video game system, and the robotic operating buddy or Rob might have been the final way to cement this new approach. So what was Rob? Rob started out uh, as the family computer robot in Japan when it was connected to the NES predecessor, the Famicom, which stood for family computer. The family computer robot was released quite late in the existence of the Famicom, coming out in 1985, two years after the Famicom did. The family computer robot worked in a similar way to the light gun that had been released by Nintendo in Japan. It would receive commands via optical flashes on the screen of a CRT television. CRT means cathode ray tube, and it's why the ROB or the zapper gun won't work on modern HD televisions. Once the screen lights up, it was ready to receive one of six different commands, and this would be dependent on what game it was using. ROB would only end up being able to be used with two games, which I'll get into in a bit. These precise flashes hit a sensor in the robot's head, which was pretty advanced tech for a home toy at this time. The other interesting thing was that it wasn't hooked up to the NES in any way. I don't know if you've ever used one or had one. I didn't, but my neighbors did. And that's one thing looking back, it didn't plug in to the Nintendo at all. It was 24 inches high and had a head movement range of 45 degree degrees horizontally, and a centered tilt. It contained arms that had a movement range of 240 degrees to the left and the right with five different stopping points. It had five accessory slots around the base, numbered clockwise, and special notches on the hand, meaning it could incorporate different accessories. It was powered by four AA batteries and even included a set of shades, which was a tinted filter in order to accommodate brighter TV screens. So now they're bringing Rob to North America. 
So as I've mentioned, there was a lot of trepidation in releasing a new video game system in North America, and Nintendo wanted to have all their bases covered. The sole marketing staff of Nintendo of America was a woman named Gail Tilden, and she had the monumental job of promoting the NES as an advanced toy, as opposed to just another video game system. Gail Tilden also founded Nintendo Power, which is awesome. Tilden decided to put all their eggs in one basket and make the NES Deluxe set the showcase combination going into the 1985 test launch. The Deluxe set would include the control deck, two controllers, the zapper gun, and Duck Hunt, which was also seen as a big risk released in this game, and the game Gyromite. To further indicate that this was high technology that no one had seen in a video game system before, they decided very late to include the family computer robot from Japan but they wanted to redesign it and to have a new NES color scheme. They also wanted to change the name, and they considered calling it Auto. Um, that was kind of a play on the word automatic, but it didn't really work. But they came up with calling it the Robotic Operating Buddy, or Rob. The main thing to point out here is that the focus was so important on the NES being an advanced technological toy that the featured premium set and the deluxe set didn't even include the Super Mario Brothers game. That's how critical it was for them to make a splash and Rob was seen as being the cornerstone of all of this. So here's the two games that came with Rob. So I mentioned Gyromite as one of the games that was designed for Rob, and the idea was that you had this robotic assistant helping you play the game. In the case of Gyromite, there were a few accessories needed for Rob to be able to play it. Gyromite came in a retail package that included two claws for Rob's hand, two heavy spinning tops or gyros, and two red and blue trays that the gyros, gyros would rest on. This combination would cause buttons to be pressed on the second controller and also had a spinning motor to spin the gyros. Before playing, you would have to put Rob in standby mode to make sure he was pointed at the TV and active. Before playing Gyromite, you would have to run a test, which was one of the options on the home screen. And this would send a signal from the TV to Rob to make sure he was focused on the TV screen. Gyromite is a puzzle-type game involving platforms where the main character, who I think was a scientist, had to collect dynamite before the time runs out. Blocking his way are red and blue pillars, and this is where it gets kind of confusing. One way to play the game is where you can push the direction to move Rob and use the A and B buttons to open and close his arms. If Rob places a gyro on the red or blue button, it pushes the A or B button on the second controller. This moves the pillar of the corresponding color in the game and allows the scientist to pass through kind of like Rob basically it's he's an electronic gatekeeper so it's not like Rob is automatically doing everything himself you are still controlling him to make the movements left and right and press the right controller buttons this episode is brought to you by Shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell with Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. The second game release for Rob was called Stack Up, and it came with five different trays, five different colored blocks, and two claws for Rob so that he could grab the blocks. There was a direct game mode, and you would try to make your block stack match up with the ones that was on the screen. You would do this by moving Professor Hector to the button that would correspond with the same movement. There was a memory version of this game too, and in this one you could create a list of commands to create a block stack up that was displayed on the screen. Rob would then follow this list of commands to go through the movements. There was also a bingo type game where you'd have to create a stack of blocks that was shown on screen while having to deal with two different enemies. One would make you lose your life and the other would make Rob do some crazy actions. If this seems overly complicated and drawn out, it actually was. To call these games fun would be an understatement. The idea is amazing, but the execution with the, you know, at the time lackluster technology left a lot to be desired. Like I said, I had some neighbors down the street who were the first people I knew to have Rob. And if you ever got to play with one, and this is what stands out, you know how it was an agonizingly slow process to play these games and honestly not even that fun. It was as novelty as novelty got, but that might have been the intention all along, as we'll soon see. So now we're getting Nintendo and the Rob on the market. So I mentioned that the focus of the release of the Nintendo North America was with the deluxe package that included Rob. Test markets such as New York were first used as it was a big enough city with a huge sample size so they could get a pretty good idea of demographics and feedback. The early promotional material and commercials had Rob front and center. If you look back on any of the old marketing, you will never once see the word video game used and the focus was on entertainment. This carried over into the in-store display units. In each store, they had huge Rob-centered promotional displays that included a glass display showcasing the whole deluxe set. And I'm not sure how old you are, but like for me, I remember this perfectly and this idea of this like robot got, that you got to take home with you. So remember, stores still saw the video games as the black sheep of the toy industry and promoting anything like this was seen as a huge gamble. Nintendo came up with their godfather offer and they gave the stores an offer they couldn't refuse. Nintendo would stock the stores and provide the displays for 90 days and the stores wouldn't have to spend a cent. After 90 days, they could pay Nintendo for what they sold and anything they didn't sell, they could give back. For the stores that had nothing to lose, and for Nintendo, as big a gamble as it seemed, they really had no choice if this thing was going to be a hit. They started with 500 stores in New York on October 9th, 1985, and on October 18th, with Rob Front and Center, it was released throughout North America. I can't stress how crazy it was that Nintendo started their introduction into North America without featuring Super Mario Brothers, which would obviously be the pinnacle of this whole um, company. So here's the initial impact of Rob and Nintendo. In all stores that had promotional displays, the store owners were requested to showcase Rob and actually had a script to follow to talk about how he worked and all the functionality. The early reviews from game critics were less than glowing and the focus was on how complicated this robotic assistant was. It was hard to ignore that there were only two games that you could use with Rob out of the 17 that were first released. And it seemed like Nintendo was selling Robs and it's like the NES just happened to go with it. They had plans for four more Rob-based games, but you'll see why these ne- why they never came out. Or you can probably already start to see why they're not going to come out. 
But, you know, critics be damned because we all know how amazing the original NES was. Nintendo knew how great their product was and they just had to get it into our dirty little hands. And Rob is what helped to do this. The other packages were now being released and everyone was realizing how unbelievable the game with the little Italian plumber was. The duck killing game with the cool zapper gun was also pretty amazing. The graphics, music, and gameplay of this new system was miles ahead of what we had before. Word of mouth started to spread and kids like me were screaming to get an NES. By the end of 1985, Nintendo passed its goal of selling 50,000 units. This was starting to grow and the Nintendo effect was catching on. In polls of adults and kids, 89% of adults said they would recommend it to friends and neighbors and 83% of kids said the same thing. I don't know who that extra... um, 70% of kids who wouldn't recommend it. I don't know what the deal with them was. This seems weird to me that that kids would have a a bit less recommendation than adults, but that might be on par with what Nintendo expected. In Japan, it wasn't kids that were the real big market for the Famicom. It was more young adults that were playing it. I imagine they thought this might be similar in North America, but the kid market grabbed hold of this thing and the direction for everything Nintendo did would then be focused on them. So the big thing from this poll was why parents bought an NES. 26% said because their kids had basically bugged the crap out of them for it. And what was reported as the number one reason why kids wanted it? Rob. So by the end of 1986, Nintendo had sold 4 million NES consoles and it pretty much rejuvenated the entire video game industry. The Mario era had now taken hold and they would ride this out for decades and actually really still are to this day. Video games were now back in the mainstream, not a fad anymore and growing at a rapid rate. By 1988, Rob, even though he was seen as an unnecessary feature, was pretty much retired, but his job was done. He had helped avoid a barrier to entry into the relaunch video games and was basically a pawn to get people's attention, specifically kids. Rob had been called a Trojan horse and that people took him at face value, thinking this was the focal point of this new system. In reality, Rob was just a way to get into people's homes so they could find out how amazing this new video game system was. Sorry, entertainment system. I still wonder if this was 100% their game plan, as I don't think any company could have had such a foolproof plan. Rob wasn't great, and they had to have known this, so they couldn't have bet the house on this accessory. There's no doubt they knew how great the product was, but at the very least, Rob made this new system look like a toy, and that was obviously you know, one of their clear objectives. So I'll start winding this down here. You could look at Rob from kind of like a drug dealer aspect, bear with me here, as it was used to give you a taste and then get you hooked on the real thing. I think if Super Mario Brothers, though, wasn't as good as as it was, that could have skewed their success, but it was great and there was now no stopping Nintendo. I'm not sure if you ever got to play with a Rob, but like I mentioned, it was not amazing, but it was still really cool. You had a robot in your house that played video games with you. I remember playing it with it for a bit at that neighbor's of mine house, but then becoming, you know, disinterested in the slow, methodical play and then just switching back to regular games. It also suffered from having to use quickly dying batteries and having lots of separate parts and accessories that would no doubt get lost or eaten by your dog. And then just like the setup to get this thing working and the like calibration, it, it just like, it just delayed the fun 
uh, factor. You just you couldn't jump in and play a game. There was setup, and no kid likes that. But either way, the story of Rob is an amazing one. As you see now, how critical it was to the launch of the NES, and how crucial it was in their eventual success. So I'll cut it off here. Hopefully you found that interesting. I, it's amazing once I dove back into this because when you're a kid, you, you know, you just take this stuff at face value. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Going back now and looking at the whole history and development uh, is pretty amazing. And again, like the big risk that was taken by Nintendo. But when you have a quality product, which they knew they did, um, eventually it would catch on. I don't know if they if they had used if they didn't use Rob at all if it would caught on as quickly. Eventually, people, you know, eventually the interest comes around and the word of mouth would have spread huge through the 80s. So, either way, it's an interesting little footnote in the history of video games. But that's it for me. Thanks for checking this show out. I appreciate you listening. I know there's a ton of podcasts out there. So, the fact you listen to this one means a lot. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. I should be there and I'll talk to you very soon. Bye.